I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Join us for a journey. As we go back to the great civilizations of the past, who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on The Fan of History, Episode 10. Last time on The Fan of History... It was the 920s BC. We talked about what was going on in Assyria. The Battle of Bitter Lakes. Shawshank attacked Canaan. And King Mu of the Chou Dynasty passed away. Joining me, as with every week, is Dan, the fan of history. Say hello, Dan. Hello. Ready for some history. This is a great episode we have ahead of us. Yeah, it seems to be all about the Assyrians. Yes, and I have to say something about that, because uh, mm-hmm. when we started this podcast, I was thinking of, uh, fan of history is a, quite a general name, uh, but mm-hmm. I like it because then we can change topics, etc. in the future. But the other option was to call it the Neo-Assyrian Empire podcast, because the Assyrians will take over this podcast starting with this episode. Why do they call it the Neo-Assyrian Empire? It could also be called the Third Assyrian Empire, but that is kind of... uh, The two earlier empires were not very impressive. Uh, There was a First Assyrian Empire that was mostly like an extended trading network. And then there was the Middle Assyrian Empire, which was uh, an empire in a sense, at least for its time. But uh, that empire is gone, and the Assyrians will be very focused on retaking the Middle Assyrian Empire, because it went away in the 11th century, destroyed by the Arameans. And so the Assyrians remember this, because they already have a thousand years of history, even more at this point. So they have been around forever, but they want their Middle Assyrian Empire back. And this Mm -hmm. will eventually 
uh, become much larger than the Middle Assyrian Empire, and thus the Neo-Assyrian Empire. I gotcha. So let's talk about uh, a totally different civilization. (laughs) (laughs) But they are important because they will eventually destroy the Neo-Syrian Empire in the year 612 BC. So we have 300 years of Assyrians ahead of us. And I think it will be at least 50 episodes about the Assyrians. (laughs) So, but first I want to mention the Chaldeans. Uh, because they appear at around this time. It's unclear if they are Arameans, but they sort of share similar tribe names as Arameans. They have, their tribes are called Bit, Yakin. Everything begins with Bit, just like the Arameans. Uh, but their origin is unclear, at least to me. But they appear and they invade uh, Babylonia, like everybody else. Uh, but they settled down, unlike the Arameans, and they settled down in the southern swamps of Babylonia, just by the Persian Gulf. Uh, the land uh, elevation has changed since 3,000 years ago, so it's not entirely easy to ma- map on a map the Chaldeans were located. But they are by the Persian Gulf in the swamps, and the Babylonians sort of have left these swamps alone because they were swamps. Uh, but this is called the Sea Land, which sounds kind of like an uh, ancient amusement park. <laughs> right, it, they could go there to yes. see dolphins and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I bet they could. Uh, but uh, there are several tribes of Chaldeans, and they are moving in, sort of under the radar now, taking over these swamps and building tribal centers. And uh, we'll hear from them again. After the fall of the Babylonian Empire, which is in the 6th century BC, which is actually the Chaldean Empire, which is sort of mm. gives you a hint about their importance, uh, the word Chaldean will come to mean uh, witchcraft pretty much, mysterious. And it's used in the Bible as a synonym for uh, witches, black magicians, and uh, Babylonians. But they wow. are separate people. So what's going, I mean, while all this is happening, what's going on in Assyria? Well, Ashurdan II is the king, and he has taken up the ancient tradition to do yearly campaigns to honor Ashur, the mm-hmm. god of war. Remember, Ashur is the one god, because every other god is a sort of a side of Ashur, an aspect of Ashur, which is kind of weird, because Ashur cares only about war, but every other god, like the god of love, is just a piece of Ashur. So Assyrian religion is quite hard to understand. <laughs> but Ashurdan has been campaigning to the north, northwest, and northeast. And today we'll probably shed some light on why he's going north all the time. But he has been training the army, building roads. He has been getting iron weapons. Uh, the Assyrians are now the best warriors in the world. And you could argue they've been the best warriors in the world for quite some time. But the threat is gone. Assyria fought for its survival since the fall of the Middle Assyrian Empire. But now they are expanding. And uh, the enemies that stole the Assyrian territory or threatened the survival of the nation will now taste the steel of Ashur. That god, he'd he'd make some demands on his people. Uh, Please (laughs) Google Ashur God of War because he's so... Awesome. It's like this little bearded guy with wings with a bow. <laughs> and he looks like uh, armor, but uh, more evil, definitely. Crazy. Yes. 
so yeah. oh, I was going to ask. Um, you're talking about you said uh, the enemies that threat that once threatened Assyria. Who were who were the enemies? This will make up the bulk of this episode because we're now going to walk around Assyria's borders and look at oh, okay. all the people that are uh, that are in for a bad time. <laughs> <laughs> because they are all going to be the victims of the Assyrian Empire. Oh, no. Uh, to the northwest, in uh, what is now Armenia and Turkey, they, mm-hmm. uh, Assyria is the uh, northern Iraq today. And northwest of that is these mountains. The, the terrain changes completely. While northern Iraq is desert, pretty much, not, not quite, especially not in this time, it's much more fertile. But we have flat plains, and then suddenly you have giant mountains. And in these mountains, uh, there are uh, mountain peoples called the tribes of the Nairi. They have many names, but they are centered around a lake in Turkey, Lake Van. And this lake is uh, huge, and it's also non-drinkable. And it's so salty that uh, only really weird small fish can live in it. So it's a, a very hostile lake, but it's the area is still heavily populated and has a lot of uh, iron ore and natural resources. And there have been tribal groups there since uh, forever. Uh, it used to be, I think it was outside the Hittite Empire in the 13th century BC. But this these tribes will now become the victims of the Assyrians all the time because they are nearby. They have resources. They have gold, uh, and they will eventually form into a nation to face the threat of the Assyrians. But for the next 50 years, they are just mercilessly beaten up. And then they will form their nation. It will be called Urartu. And then they will be mercilessly beat up for another 50 years (laughs) before they can actually (laughs) build mountain fortresses and keep the Assyrians out. Uh, one important thing about these Assyrian campaigns is that mm-hmm. they are the main goal, their yearly campaigns, the main goal is to take people's stuff, either by scaring them or actually killing them. But the, the, it's robber campaigns at this point. So their main goal is not conquest. But So conquest will happen by accident at first, unless it is the area that it was part of the Middle Assyrian Empire that they really want to reclaim. Uh, north of this area is uh, the great steppes of Russia. And on these steppes are horse nomads, horse archers. And there are mm-hmm. two, there are a lot of tribes, but there are two major groups of tribes. And they, they won't affect their story for some time. But uh, they are the Cimmerians. That sounds familiar. Yeah, they have nothing to do with <laughs> Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> and there are the Scythians. And especially the term the Scythians is uh, used for different tribes. It's, it's a very vague term. But the Sumerians are more closely defined people. Uh, these people have a lot of horses. And horses sort of come down into the Middle East from the Russian steppes. And this will be very important for the Assyrians because the Assyrians uh, don't have horses naturally on the plains. So they need to get their horses from somewhere. So that's also one of the main goals of the campaigns is just to get more horses because the Assyrians know that horses are good in warfare, but mm-hmm. we need to get the horses from everywhere. So sometimes these campaigns are just horse raids pretty much, but the steppes uh, is the great source of the 
uh, horses. Uh, to the west of Assyria is Syria. Uh, this is quite confusing. <laughs> uh, Syria and Assyria. <laughs> and it's, uh, I just read something this week about the difference between Syrians and Assyrians. And it turned out that I was wrong. <laughs> so I will not go into that too much. I might have said something wrong on the YouTube channel. But uh, in this area, this area in the north of Syria is mm-hmm. the remnants of the Hittite Empire. This was the powerful empire that had the riddle of steel. <laughs> they knew steel before anyone else did in the Middle East. But it fell in the Bronze Age collapse. And in the north of Syria, these uh, small, uh, not small, but these cities of the, Neo- of the Hittite Empire, they survived and sort of pretend that the empire is still around. So they have the same art style. They build houses like they did in the empire. They call themselves empire names. And they have managed to assimilate the Arameans. Everywhere else, the Arameans are raiding everything, living in the countryside, causing chaos in Assyria and in Babylonia. Uh, Much like orcs, I imagine. (laughs) But the new Hittites were like, oh, look at this marvelous art we have. We are the Hittites. We are really great. And the Arameans were, oh, that art is really sweet. We want to be like you. So the Arameans are... (laughs) not the Arameans in Assyria, because they are turning into Assyrians at this point, but the bulk of the Arameans in north of Syria, they are turning into Neo-Hittites. This is a very rich area, and the political units are very small. Every city is for itself. So this is like a smorgasbord of targets for Assyrian campaigns. You can, like, this year we go and burn down that city, and that year we go to that city, and they have problems uniting with each other, And uh, eventually Damascus will rise as the greatest power in the West. Uh, But it will be an entirely Aramean kingdom because Arameans are realizing that they have to organize into nations to defend themselves against the Syrians. And Damascus will be the center of resistance to Assyria for a long time. Is this the time when they were coming up with the Damascus steel blades? I don't think so, but uh, I'm okay. not sure. If somebody knows, please tell us. Yeah. I'm very interested in sword making. Oh. I find it fascinating. I think we will have plenty to talk about, about swords then. <laughs> uh, I'm not cool. that good at uh, swords and stuff. I'm uh, usually not the uh, totally fascinated by like military details in history, so I, I could need some work there. Uh, to the south of Assyria is Babylonia. So Babylonia is southern and it's focused on the ancient city of Babylon. And the Assyrians will have a very strange relationship with Babylon, which will eventually become uh, their demise. Uh, Because Babylon is so old and so... The Assyrians are kind of the cousins from the countryside to Babylon. So every time they deal with Babylon, even if Babylon is really weak, they're like, oh, these guys are so great. And they will learn stuff. They are much like the Greeks and the Romans. So the Assyrians are the Romans learning from the superior uh, Greek Babylonian culture. (laughs) Does that make sense? Yeah, Okay. I think it does. And Babylon is extremely weak at this time. There are Arameans everywhere. Uh, the, uh, The city dwellers, which are pretty much the same racial stock as the Assyrians, they live in the great cities, Babylon, Uruk, uh, Borsippa. There are maybe 50-plus cities. Uh, but they, everything is a chaos. The trade routes are, have 
gone silent, they can't go anywhere. Now the Chaldeans have taken their nice swamps in the south. <laughs> and um, so they have they have a lot of problems, but they will be treated with kid gloves some of the time by the Assyrians, or sometimes the Assyrians will be really mad at them and beat them up. But they, the Assyrian relationship with Babylon is like nothing else because uh, they, they have this respect for Babylonia. Uh, is that the only? Is that the only other culture that they seem to have any kind of yes respect? For? Yes, they uh, there are pretty much no racism at this time. So the Assyrians are willing to accept anyone if they uh, if they obey them. So they, if they become <laughs> vassals or if they actually can want to become Assyrians, they are happy to do that. But they sort of consider their own culture superior to any other, except. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. For Babylon. Uh, and there is uh, another ancient culture right east of Babylon who has lost its trading contact with Babylon. It's Elam in the south uh, of Iran today. And Elam might even be much older than uh, Babylonia or Assyria. It is older. But it is quite mysterious to us. And even though it's so old, the Assyrians just hate it. So if Elam, if they come across Elam, they will just beat them up and they don't care about their culture at all. This country is really strange. It has, I talked about it before on the show, but it's, it has its own language. It has its own sort of racial origin for its people. It's, we still know quite little about Elam, but Elam will become a major player in our story as well. And the fact that Elam is there in southern Iran uh, is really good for civilization, actually, because there are hostile mountain tribes in the Sagros Mountains in Iran and in northern Iran that uh, Elam is holding back. And if these tribes become too powerful, bad things will happen. And you might recognize the name of some of the tribes because they are the Persians, the Medes, mm-hmm. uh, the Parthians, the Manians. And they are at this point very disorganized and it's incredibly hard to tell which tribe has control over which tribe. 
but they are importing horses from the north. And they are actually at this point pretty good recruitment grounds for the Assyrians. So the Assyrians will take these horse nomads into their armies at this point. But uh, yeah, you might have heard of the Persians, so they might come back to our story later. <laughs> I figured. <laughs> Uh, but they're not at all like what they will become. Uh, so let's go into some chronological narrative then. Okay. In 920 BC, Shamash Mudamik, I love these names, <laughs> becomes king of Babylon. And he's the successor to Marbiti uh, something Idina. Marbiti <laughs> We talked about him before. Uh, we don't know where Shamash Mudamik came from. Uh, this this kingship of Babylon is supposed to be hereditary, but it almost never is. So if somebody actually managed to leave the kingship to their son, it's an exception. Uh, but Shamash Mudamik appears to be uh, a native Sumerian, Babylonian guy, which means that the Assyrians will like him. Every source on this guy is from the Assyrians. So it means that it's probably a bad time to become the ruler of Babylon. Hmm. Uh, but this guy will take the challenge uh, quite well. Uh, we don't really know anything that happens between 920 and 913, but we can assume that Ashurdan is still working on making Assyria ready for what is to come. He seems to be planning and he's campaigning, but he's not going out taking back the Middle Assyrian empires. Rather, he's setting the stage for his son to do this. Okay. Which is why Ashurdan II is not normally counted as a king of the Neo-Assyrian Empire. Uh, but in 912 BC, he dies. And the empire is uh, formally, the empire is usually counted as starting in 911 BC. So here is a gap of one year. And there might have been a civil war in Assyria. The, uh, I talked before about how the Assyrians... Uh, assign their next king. So the, the, the king will choose one of his sons to become the king. And that's, of course, a great way to get the sons to hate each other. <laughs> so it, it, Fratricide. Yes, yes. <laughs> Fratricide will uh, return. <laughs> it will rear its ugly head uh, again and again in Assyria. And there is a civil war, and one guy comes out on top. He's Adad Nirari II. He mm-hmm. claims he's the eldest son and the leg- uh, legitimate successor of Ashadan II. And it, it, the sources also tell us there's a possible revolt among the vassals, but I don't get that, because who is a vassal to Assyria at this point? They haven't conquered anyone yet. All right. So I, I don't know what that means. But this uh, guy, Adadnirari II, he becomes the king of Assyria, and this is the point then in 911 BC when the empire is supposed to start. So there are different dates for this. Uh, some people count it from Ashadan's uh, start, and some people count it from Adad Nirari II's grandson, Ashur Nasirbal II, who I will talk about at great length. <laughs> but I think it's fair to count the empire from this point. I think Adad Nirari II does enough to be counted as a, as a father of the empire. He will reign for 20 years, and he will do quite a bit of stuff. Uh, we also have this year, 9-11 BC, is the first really good uh, dated point in history at all because there is a, a 
celestial phenomena, the weekend date by Astronomy Today, and it's referred to from this year by the Assyrians. So we pretty much know that this actually happened in 911 BC, and it's the first event where you can safely say that this is the year, this is the exact year this happened. What was it? Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but it is some some constellation or some comet or something like that, oh, maybe yeah. an eclipse. Uh, and now from this year, we have the eponym lists. It's a weird list that the Assyrians keep where they say, in the eponym year of, insert some important guy, uh, mm -hmm. the king did this. And in the first year of the reign, it's often in the year of Adad-Nirari II, Adad-Nirari went west. For example, but then in the next year he takes like the second most important guy in Assyria, and it's his eponym year. So from the eponym names we get some information about other people than the king. But we must also remember that the sources, which now improved dramatically compared to what we have had before, uh, they are uh, war propaganda pretty much. So the Assyrians are happy to lie about everything, <laughs> uh, and you won't get an. Um, uh, the, the saddest thing they can say in these sources are the king stayed in the land. That probably means that everything went to hell and people invaded them. And, but that, that's sort of the, the worst thing you can hear. And often it's uh, glorious victories and thousands of cities <laughs> taken and everybody right. bowed down before the mighty king. Uh, and this will become much worse by the end of the empire. You get these enormous uh, exaggerations of what people are doing. But Adad-Nirari II is actually doing stuff then. So in 910 BC, he campaigns against the Arameans because they are the most uh, severe problem right now. There are Aramean mm -hmm. tribes very close to Assyria in the area of the Middle Assyrian Empire who definitely have... So he will go with his first campaign to the junction of the Kabur and the Euphrates. This, is, uh, this will quickly become core Assyria territory, but it's not now. And he conquers this, uh, these Arameans that live in this area. They were like the easy pickings. They were right next to Assyria, and you could just walk across the plain to get to them. <laughs> they are deported. And this is a policy that is, uh, in some sources, credited much later to the Assyrians. But Adad Nirari II actually deports people from one end of his small empire to the other. So the, the idea is to, okay, you cause problems there, but now you will have to face these other guys at the other side of the empire who are causing problems there, and they will not like you, so you will have to fight for the empire. And luckily we will help you, so you are now an Assyrian, congratulations. <laughs> Welcome aboard. Yes, and this is what will happen to the lost tribes of Israel, for example, later. Okay. Uh, now I mentioned the Bible, so I might go into detail about why the Assyrians are considered so evil. Uh, mm -hmm. There is a synonym in the Bible for the Antichrist, and it's the Assyrian. <laughs> uh, before the 19th century, we knew very little about them. We only had the records in the Bible. It turns out that the records in the Bible is, uh, are much better than any record the Romans and the Greeks left us of the Assyrians. So never read anything the Romans or the Greeks said about the Assyrians because they are just making stuff up. Uh, it's entirely crazy. There's almost nothing. They, they become correct about the, the last king, the last great king of the Assyrian Empire the Greeks actually knew about. But before that, they are just, they're just making stuff up. It's crazy. <laughs> 
So uh, Julius Caesar refers to an Assyrian queen, for example. We'll talk more about her, Semiramis. She actually okay. never existed at all. And there, there might be someone who sort of started a legend, but all the stuff about her is legendary. So the Greeks and the Romans didn't know anything, but the Bible will contain a lot of information about the Assyrians. And they are, of course, depicted as the villains in the Bible. They are really, really bad. And uh, actually, this is not entirely undeserved because the Assyrians will maintain their empire with horrible methods. Uh, Really, really bad things will happen because of the Assyrians. And we'll talk more about that. Uh, But I think the important point here is that this is the first empire There was an empire back in uh, 2100, the Akkadian Empire, but that's remembered as a legend. But this empire, the Neo-Syrian Empire, will be the start of all things empire in the Western world. And you you will be amazed at how much of the Persian Empire and the Roman Empire that actually comes from the Assyrians. So the, the Persian and the Roman Empires are pretty much trying to do what the Assyrians did. And then they are improving some of the stuff because the Assyrians will get some things wrong. But there is a lot of stuff that was invented by the Assyrians. Uh, aqueducts, uh, keys and locks. And uh, yeah, a lot of things. We'll talk more about that. Uh, the Persians will change one thing uh, that will make them more successful than the Assyrians in their time. They will remove the horrible atrocities from their um, repertoire or they, they will not actually but they will uh, uh, they will make less massacres oh, <laughs> that would kind work of them. really good for the Persians <laughs> right uh, so the Assyrians will um, they are they believe that people are bad and that people will cheat if given the opportunity and that they must be punished and Assyrian punishment is not something you want to be the victim of I can imagine not. Uh, We will not talk about all the other places in the world this time. This is all about Assyria, because now their time begins. Uh, I did promise to talk about the Bantu expansion, which is not affected by the Assyrians. Because (laughs) this is something that is happening in Africa. It begins in 1000 BC, and it actually coincides with the Nok culture in Nigeria. Uh, The Nok culture is poor for a podcast because all we know about them is amazing art uh, it will go on until 300 AD uh, and the Bantu expansion then is a, is a proto-Bantu language group and they probably have agriculture they are starting out from Nigeria and Cameroon and they are spreading south into Africa and this is really bad for the Khoisan that we talked about earlier so today in Africa, most of Africa is occupied by the Bantu, and the Khoisan only survives in small areas. Uh, there will be iron, but it won't be in Africa until 400 BC, pretty much, if you count the Bantu area then, of course, and not Egypt. Tutankhamun himself already had an iron dagger in his tomb. Uh, there won't be a nation-state of any significance in Africa, uh, in southern Africa, until 1400 AD so it's uh, 2400 years in the future Uh, that's the kingdom of Mutapa or maybe Great Zimbabwe in 1000 AD 
But that's a little word about Africa because I wanted to say something because we haven't said right. anything. But this is the Assyrian Empire. They will uh, now spend 300 years beating people up. <laughs> well, I can't wait to hear what happens on the next time. I guess the Assyrians are going to go to war and fight war for how long? <laughs> 300 years. 300 years. Years of fighting. 300 years wow. of ultraviolence. <laughs> Sounds like it'll be quite exciting. And the first, All the right. first well, one will be uh, like the last. It will be against Babylonia. Oh, those poor Babylonians. Yes, but... They're just sitting there trying to keep their civilization going. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, folks... That brings us to the end of this episode. If you did enjoy it, please consider our Patreon. Just head over to patreon.com slash fan of history. Or is it the fan of history? It's fan of history. Fan of history. All together. Go to Patreon and you can pledge there. And it would really help us out. Also, please go to YouTube and subscribe to the Fan of History channel. Like and share it. Since this is on iTunes, we'd really appreciate if you could give us a review on iTunes. Again, thank you for listening. Thank you, guys. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com slash fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.